Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 Welcome to episode 25 of the Break 80 Podcast. This is Stoud. Super excited to break down our latest adventure through the cornfields of Nebraska. But before we do that, I'm joined by the second place finishers in the Metro A division of the Twin Cities Golf Play Match Bracket, Mike and Tim. Sorry to hear that you guys got uh, got the L tonight. Fresh off our devastating loss <laughs> on eight, uh, one down on 18. How, how are we not bringing up the, uh, the landman round right away? Okay, we're not getting to that yet, Tim. I, I want to reintroduce myself. Oh, yeah. Broke 80. No one thought it would happen. Oh, <laughs> Landman special. Coming off a of 92 at the easier golf course. That's so, <laughs> okay. I, didn't think it, I didn't think it would happen either. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys don't want to break down your devastating loss tonight? We're gonna um, jump I just want to say this. You know, those kids, those those former college golfers we played, they were there early. They were warming up. We came in hot. <laughs> Tim picked me up. We had a, we we had a three fifty tee time, and and we made it to the ten tee. We started in the back at three fifty two. We came sliding in there, and then Tim had a good one. I just jacked an OB first swing of the day, just straight <laughs> out of bounds. Predictable. <laughs> yeah, so we were down too early. Then we fought. We clawed and gripped. We got away all the way back to all square with a few to play, and one of the kids knifed one in there tight. Yeah, that happens, boys. We uh, happens. Well, I know Tim's gonna talk a lot about his landman round, so we'll get to that later, Tim. I know you're excited. Um, but before we get to all the landman talk, and we're probably gonna do a lot of, I would say, eighty percent landman tonight. But um, we're gonna break down our trip to landman, a new course out in Homer, Nebraska. Uh, we previewed it on our previous pod with Rob Collins of King Collins Golf Design. But we're also gonna be spending, you know, talking about our experience there the holes that we played, all that kind of stuff, and all the spectacle that it was and, and all the uh, details that it, that it entails. Um, we're going to also spend some time talking about uh, the Tour Championship um, as that has got quite spicy uh, with Rory getting the W, putting the media part of his job on his back and then now showing it off with his stellar play. And then the last part of our podcast is a, um, an interview with, with a very talented Semi-finals of the USAM, Minnesota native, Derek Kitchener. Tim and I know that they call him D-Hitch. And this guy is a humble dude. Um, Soft-spoken, but has mad game. So uh, that's at the very end. you got to listen to that as well. Um, with that being said, it was just a smooth four-and-a-half-hour ride from the Twin Cities. Sits a course up top, in quotes, um, that opens soon for public play called Landman. And before we get in all the holes, all the scales and the slopes of the course, can you guys set the scene for our listeners of kind of the location and the overall vibe and setting of the clubhouse and the people running it? Uh, I mean, first off, who thought there was a Hard Rock Hotel in Sioux City, Iowa? Yeah, I saw that. Crazy. Oh, my God. What yeah. is it doing there? 
I don't, I don't, I didn't even know those were hardly a thing anywhere, let alone. Uh, what was, alone what was Sioux Hard City. Rock thinking? Like, oh my God, Sioux City is the place to put one of us. This is perfect. Probably there's nothing Vegas to do there. Sioux City. It's just you know, the, similar. Vegas nothing to do. The, the Sioux City. All right. Well, anyway, there's, there's a Hard Rock 30 minutes away from, uh, from Landman. So if you don't get the cabins, which are beautiful, um, if Mike doesn't snore right in your ear. Mm. I warned you about paw. that one. Well, full paw on the trip was getting the old uh, double queen for four dudes. <laughs> yeah. Not like a little snuggle and nothing like none of us knowing how to uh, to use the uh, uh, the AC or turn it on correctly. That was, a dirty, uh, that was a dirty trick. I was up by a lot of strokes. <laughs> I was up by a lot of damn strokes after that first round of our uh, break 80 major. I don't know what I was up by eight. And I had literally, literally about an hour of sleep. I got up at like three in the morning. Well, I was already awake the whole time. And I looked and it was set at like 72 and it was on heat. It wasn't even on AC in the middle of the fucking summer. Who has, who has the heat on? It was ridiculous. Just, just mean. asinine. But not, I was going to say nothing like. Nothing like getting pumped by 20 strokes and then cuddling up in the bed right next to the guy that just kicked your ass by 20 shots. <laughs> All right. Brought it back on the last round, right? Well, we tied. Really, uh, but... <laughs> really made a turn. <laughs> All right. So describe Landman for us, pulling in. What, what do we got? Well, you take a dirt, you take a bunch of dirt roads. Uh, you take dirt roads coming in. And it, well, when you pull it, you can kind of see where it's going to be from a ways away because you can just tell you're going that way and there's this huge ridge there kind of. And then you just climb up this these dirt roads up up into this top of this uh, uh, kind of like, what, what would you call it, Tim? It's like a modern looking clubhouse kind of, you know, up at the top of this hill. You don't really see much of the golf course till you get up there. I was holding on for dear life over that wooden bridge. I mean, there's a, <laughs> there's a shaky one car wooden bridge on the way with a a weight restriction you're really wondering because there's no signage there's zero signage yeah where are we going is is ways right uh which mike will say ways is always wrong you have uh, taken that you have taken the slow way more times than not with that thing got me there still right on time <laughs> but a, just a wild drive gravel roads nothing paved probably what five miles back there off of a paved road at least yeah so we are we are talking a remote remote golf course on a absolute piece of farmland but not that remote where you couldn't stay in like sioux city i mean it's like what 20 some minutes oh no by yeah by no means yeah stay at the hard rock or wherever you might want to pick you can get a cab and do it um but but goodness that was that was a long ways back there the vibe when you get there talking to the hill working was awesome. It, uh, it had, it, for those of you that have played at like sand Valley, it had a lot of that, like laid back kind of really great vibe to me where some places, you know, we've been to are kind of stuffy and uptight. I didn't think I thought Landman was like, you could show up in a t-shirt, you know, in shorts and just go play. Cause that's what they, that's all they care about is going to play and having a good time playing golf. And the vibe was awesome. Exactly. And you know, it's, uh, I don't know, like when you when you show up and they come up to you in a cart saying, you know, here's your cart, guys. The course is yours today. That's kind, <laughs> that of, sweet. That's kind of a bizarre feeling. Saying, Should have got there earlier and played 36. Yeah, you got the entire course to yourself. So that was kind of a, a, a fun little introduction to the course. And we got a chance to meet the owner and, 
and the superintendent and, and some of the guys and, and, and gals that work there. So we got off to a great start. Um, I've got a couple – I know we're going to dive into the course for a second, but I have three bits of advice that I want to give to people that are going to go play it. All right. My first bit of advice is you got to get the yardage book, okay? These yardage books have – I mean – like yardage book has you know your yardages, but I think the biggest part of it not is not necessarily all the yardages, but the the content that's in it. They they talk a lot about each hole, where you want to be on the greens. Um, it's a lot of reading, I'll say that. Like you got to read a lot, but if you're gonna go to a place like that, you're gonna take the time to read through it. Um, so that's the first thing I would do. I was, I'd buy a, a landman yardage book. Second thing, work on your trajectory. Okay, it's windy out there. And if there's one thing I could do preparing for landman, would maybe try to hit a little bit more knockdown shots in the range prior to going on the trip. So it, it can, it's going to be windy, and you're going to have to make sure you kind of work the ball. And off the tee, it's it's fine, but those iron shots are the ones that you're going to have to hit accurately and the right distance um, to get you the into the right spots on the greens. The last bit of advice you guys may or may not agree with me on, but this is just my overall personal th- uh, thoughts on this is, I would adjust adjust your mindset a bit. Um, yeah, scoring is important, and it's fun to go and score well, but I would really just embrace the fun shots that you're going to hit. Like, you know, don't spend 20 minutes looking for your ball. Like, just just embrace, like, the the shots that you're going to see. Like, and we we did a little bit. Like, we said, we should try this shot. Like, let's, let's try hitting this one deep and see if we can get it. Like, there's so many cool shots that you will see, and the greens are so crazy that – you know, score may not be everything. It just just really enjoy the spectacle that is and all the fun, unique parts of it. Um, you know, getting caught up in, in score and stuff can kind of get you away from how crazy and cool this, this place is. So really embrace just the fact that you are going to hit some really cool shots, see some really cool views, and see some unbelievable greens. Yeah, when you go there... You are going to play green complexes like you have. I guarantee it. You have never seen anybody that's listening. You have never played green complexes like this. There's no fucking way because there aren't there aren't any. Not 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 a collection of like 18 where they're all every single one is either a big redan or sloped or or big ridges. They are amazingly awesome. And I think you yeah, you're right. Your your mindset has to be I'm gonna hit some good shots that end up bad because they're gonna catch a slope. And I'm going to hit some bad shots that I'm going to get away with that are going to end up good. You know, you get to the Redan hole. We'll talk about it. Tim hit one. Tim hit one which was good. That was it was, perfect. It was a good strike. And we knew it was a Redan. But that thing hit the green. And it was like a it like a trampoline straight left. It was so it was so pitched. It was awesome. It was amazing. Mike, and, it said Redan on, on the yardage book. Oh, sure. But like, I think, I think, <laughs> but what, what I'm talking about is, is, you know, for those of you who don't know what a redan is, it slopes from right to left, basically. And you, there's redans in Minnesota. I think the most pitched one probably that I've played is at Minnesota Valley. Was that number two, Tim? Remember that one? Which is pretty pitched, but you can hit an iron on that one, and it, it'll start to go left. But it wasn't like this, where it just goes left like 150 feet. It just keeps going and going. You know, it stops. Like this is these greens, everything to the extreme, slopes to the max. Uh, they are wild and awesome and really fun. But yeah, Jeff's right. I think the other thing I would say is, and if, if I was there again, playing it again, I would take a lot more time on approach shots. Like I'm a harbinger of fast play. I want to play fast, but I think there are so many 
Um, they're not necessarily fully blind, but you can't see the slope. Sometimes you look in the yardage book or walk up there a little bit and figure it out because there are a few shots where I was like, Oh man, you hit it. And it's like, okay. And then you, you get up there and you're like, shit, I should have just hit it here, like away from the hole where it looked like, and it would have been way better. Um, but I, so I think take a little bit of time there, but yeah, it's I've never seen anything like those green complexes. They were un, unreal, unreal. And I think if you played it like a second time, like obviously, you know, you know what you're doing, you know what the greens are really like, like you can, you can look at the yardage book and you can look at it with your eyes, but you don't really know what it's like until you get up there. There's a couple of times we got up to the green and we couldn't believe it. Like yeah. we had never seen it before. So if you see it a second time, you're pro in my opinion, it'll probably be a little bit easier to score just because you know how ridiculous and drastic some of these slopes are. But um, yeah, that first time you play it, it's just more of soaking it all in and trying to figure it out. So if you're going to show up and play it one time, that would be my advice. If you're going to play it more than once, that second, third round, whatever, probably will be a little bit more easy for you to kind of know what to do and what to expect. And the fairways are massive. And I would say from somebody that missed a lot of them that day, <laughs> they're huge. I would say like playing it the first time, I know this got me in trouble in like hole three. You know, it's a left pin. So you're trying to hit it right. The greens are so damn big, a lot of them. Just hit it in the fairway, and you're going to have a pretty good chance of hitting the green. They're massive. You might not be in the greatest spot, but you'll be on the green because they're humongous, you know, to some extent. Yeah. Instead of trying to really, you know, play for angles and stuff. I mean, if you're a really better player and better than me, I guess, apparently, after playing it and hitting it in the fescue, trying to play angles, um, maybe. But just get it in the fairway, and you'll have a lot of fun because the greens are awesome. And well, well, let's talk. let's talk front nine a little bit. Let's bring up the front nine just kind of in general. Like it, most of the front nine goes away from the clubhouse. In fact, I think the end of hole nine is about as far away from the clubhouse as you can get. Is that correct? Yeah, it's like a classic. That's all uh, the way in the corner. Which is awesome. I love I love that uh, what Rob the did there. Hole. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, the old school U.S. courses, the clubhouse, number nine always comes back to the clubhouse, and then you go back up. But, like, you know, Scottish Lynx courses, a lot of them, like the like St. Andrews, just go out and then they, they come back in whenever the hell they come back in. They don't just try to come back in, you know, at the turn, uh, which this one does. It doesn't come back in at all until 18. So so we actually only played one hole, I think, basically downwind, and that was the long par three, hole five. I think all the other ones were slightly into the into us or a little bit maybe side. 17, 17. I'm, yeah, ta I'm yeah. talking about just on the oh, front. Oh, on the front, yeah. On yeah, the front nine. Five. So five, five was the only one that was kind of going back to the clubhouse, and then yep. you kind of go back again. Yeah, um, yeah. Long par, par three. Yep, the long, long par, par three. So, so depending on the wind, you could have the front nine could be your, you know, you could have if the wind's exact opposite direction, you could have a lot of downwind, but that par three is going to be a beast trying to get at that one. Um, and then, and then if you're worried about your hot dogs at the turn or your or your drinks at the turn, just know that they're you know nine being as far away from the clubhouse as you possibly can. There's a there's a halfway house they call it, I think on hole eight, the par three. We should yeah. probably start with uh, mentioning that we did play the red tees when we played. Yeah, we played we the did. tips. We were yeah, all the way back, which tips. was long, yeah. which was red. Yeah, which so, is awesome. I love how it's red is the back and not the up tees. Yeah. So the nice. uh, the black tees, I believe, are the the forward tees, and the red tees are all the way in the back. I'm guessing that's a Nebraska thing with the Cornhuskers and everything now, which uh, I don't want to get off topic here, but I, but I, oh, I could, be they, the, could be the, could be the practice uh, black jerseys. I saw they were, uh, they were watching on the big screen. They had a big screen pulled up for the game on Saturday when they got beat by Northwestern in terrible scene. fashion with an onside kick when they were up by two touchdowns. So I'm sure the Nebraska faithful are really having a great time this week, but uh, All right. maybe, that, but maybe, that's why, maybe that's why it was red. I don't know. Well, now we're not getting invited back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> specifically 
talking about kind of some of the holes on one through nine, um, you know, one of the things that's pretty cool about this course is the fact that almost every hole, one through 18 actually, not just one through nine, but it seems like every hole kind of has, whether it be something with the green or something with the course that is unique, you know, whether it be a giant false front, whether it be the Barranca on hole three, anything from the front nine that you guys want to specifically point out that was a fun shot for you or a hole that you guys got to, you know, this was my favorite hole or anything from, from holes one through nine. Well, I mean, first off, it was just, it was a grind. Oh my God. There was no holes off. You didn't sit on a single hole and think, here we go. Here's a wide open fairway. Here's an easy shot. Here's an easy green to hit. Everything is just, just a challenge, especially with the wind. It's pretty constant. They said that our, our 20 mile per hour wind, 25 mile per hour wind was pretty consistent for a, a prevailing wind that anyone might experience. Yeah. Um, well, I just think not just the front end, every hole on this golf course has something that's either, you know, there were, there's a couple where the tee shot, you don't see a lot of things. So it's kind of a benign tee shot. And then you get over the hill and the second shot is to a crazy green with, you know, crazy bunkering or the tee shots look great. I thought, I really thought on the front nine, I mean, one's a par five with a humongous false front, like just crazy, like yeah. straight down. And you can see that one from the, you can see it from a ways back. Like there's no way shot. a ball, there's no way a ball is staying on this thing at all. Zero chance. Um, but I liked, I thought the second shot on two was really fun, especially the pin placement we had right behind that giant hump. And I, I thought three's T shot might've been the coolest one on the golf course with the barranca right down the middle and for those of you who don't know what the term barranca is it's basically like a ravine like but not with water in it it's just it's like a ditch you know it's got a, it's like grass you could play out of it jeff was in there and you could hit out yeah. of it um but it's a cool feature it runs right down the middle and um you know i thought that was a great t-shirt because they give you room on the right you can do try to do it of course i try to do it hitting the fescue right but you can just hit it straight and just take on the barranca and probably be fine but that's the number one handicap hole i believe uh depends on the wind depends i on think the wind. with our have, wind it was they have two wind yeah they, they had that's kind of cool they have two different handicaps with the wind on the on the yardage book because i remember i i hit a good drive and i still had a hybrid in yeah it, so was, long. it was driver long. hybrid into the uh into the greenside bunker i did it as well tim and i'll say this like i was in the barranca because i'm an amateur so you basically want to aim at that and hope <laughs> it fades or draws right well i i will say this like from a from a stat perspective there's two par threes in the front nine and then the rest are par fives and par four as well. I hit six out of seven fairways and one was in the Branca and I still was six over. That tells you <laughs> how many putts I had and how difficult it was to just get your ball in the hole. Well, I, I think um, hole four had a crazy, the, the green, the kidney kind of beat. Yes. Bean yes. Green oh, where yeah. the whole, the whole like right side is just pitched crazy down to the left that's when an awesome up green. To that green and you will not know it you will not know it even the book you'll read it but you won't believe it until you get up on the top that's hole four correct yeah, the, yeah the, that's and, four and there's certain spots on there you do not want to be in fact i think you know depending where the pin is it can be accessible because if it's back right you can go deep and bring it back there's a little bank back there ours was front left i believe so missing left was fine you guys yeah which wasn't a terrible left spot. Were fine but if it's in a spot that's more towards the middle and you miss, that's she gone. What about that uh, that first view from five? So we're we're finally a little bit on top, not all the way there. 
we've got yeah. a view of four or five holes on that par three. Massive, massive green complex. Probably and the not even the biggest seen. one on the course. It's no, by no means. It's kind of setting the stage, though. We're getting, yeah. we're getting there. Yeah, yeah, five was crazy because I hit a hybrid and we I hit it and Mike I think Mike I can hear Mike in the background saying is that going to be too much, and when it hit and it rolled it rolled toward the, toward the flag but there's another part beyond that you can't see from the the top and when you get up there my ball had another I swear thirty yards to roll if it wanted, and you just can't realize that from the tee box. Massive green. Yeah, really huge. Kind of, kind of the first of the the big big ones other than other than number one but there wasn't a lot of a lot of pin placements that, that we really saw on number one. Like when you're playing a 240 yard par three, that's typically pretty, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intimidating, you know, cause it's a lot, a big yardage, but the, honestly you could hit one, you can hit your 200 yard club. Oh, and just, easily you know, it was, it's downhill. It's like 180 to the front. So, so yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a giant green and you might have a, you know, 80 foot putt, but you can still have a, and, and you can miss a little left actually, Miss more right than left because left does have a bunker that Tim went in, but but um, great it, shot it is out not of as intimidating as you think a two hundred and forty or fifty yard par three would be. It just wasn't at because of the size of the green. There's only one bunker I believe you can go in. Even if you go off the back a little bit, I, I when we were driving by, you could you could definitely your ball would just roll off a little bit. You can get back up and down. So don't don't uh, don't be discouraged. But if you miss that green. You know, you're going to have some 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 distances to cover on your on your chip shots because it is it is gigantic. Do have to mention this was in a couple bunkers along the way. Um, bunker on number one, lots of small rocks. After there, kind of all cleared up, not too bad. Kind of the gritty sand. The pros on the PGA Tour, not the live they they deal with it. They're they're hardy. <laughs> yeah, they're not pampered at all, bitches. But uh, those PGA <laughs> Tour players would probably bitch and moan and complain about the grit of the sand it is it's a little thicker it's a little clumpy uh i, thought it, was, I it. thought it was fine i was only in it twice on par threes from about 50 yards short of the green so i was gonna bring up hole eight because i, I love that was probably my favorite hole in the front was just i'll say i'll say i'll say you might that might have been just a specific to the hole because i was in the couple but obviously i think we're all in bunkers but because they're out there but I didn't really see any of that on the ones that I was in, but that could just be a, a particular hole that has some of those in it. I mean, I would have been a little upset, Mike. but we just got back from the desert, so my yeah, my yeah. is already still wrong. Mike, you, sh you should comment on this. You you brought up this a bunch. Like, in terms of just, like, course conditions, you know, expecting on a brand-new course, like, you kind of made, made some comments on, you know, what do you expect when you go out there in terms of fairways and greens and tee boxes? Yeah, yeah. Um... Well, first of all, new courses are usually kind of bouncy. You know, stuff isn't settled in. But the other thing is it takes years for the grass to really grow in. Um, so when you're out there and you're playing, uh, like the fairways and the greens seem kind of grainy. You know, they they roll fine. They're, they're fine. They just look kind of grainy because what happens is it takes, you know, years for them to kind of grow in thick together to the kind of tight fairway you you think of now on a early nice golf course and that'll 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 happen it just takes time i think i i played minicata uh probably two or three summers ago here and that was coming off a um they regrassed returfed the whole golf course for the u.s senior am um and they had returfed it about two years prior to when i played 
and it was still kind of grainy. You could tell it was still, it was coming. It was good, but it's a process. It's a many year process to kind of get um, the grasses matured and thickened in there, you know, and get some of the thin spots and everything kind of out of them. But I mean, they play fine. They just don't look like a fairway as much as you think, you know, like um, one, but that's just the way it works in the golf industry. It'll take a couple of years and they'll be just fine. And even the greens, like you, you do not want them ultra speedy because if they are you, it's, you know, already so many undulations and you're going to have to go over a couple of them and come back down. If it's super fast, you have zero chance of two putting. They will never be able to get them too fast there. There's too much slope and there's too much wind. You'll never, they're going to, the greens there will always play. I think like they play in like Scotland because of the wind and stuff there. They just, you can't, you couldn't. If even though they're huge, the the green complex, complexes are big, and we'll get to the sitwell green here later. And um, if you if you tried to get those things rolling like a twelve, there would hardly be any playable pins. There wouldn't be with the wind and the slope. Like there's, you wouldn't be able to put the flag sticks anywhere hardly. They, it would take away so many locations. So I don't think they'll ever be able to get them going super fast, um, which is fine. Uh, it's it's more fun to have crazy pins anyway. For sure, Timmy, talk about eight. Yeah. Oh, God. What a hole. Well, I, I love a nice infinity green. And this one played right to the back of the corn. So setting up really well for, him, for a kid from Iowa. And it, it's really just a little bit of a flip wedge. I think we were into the wind there a little bit. 105 I, uh, from the tips. 105. 105. I think I, it probably, probably was playing 120 at the time. I hit a pitching wedge and all that. Yeah. A little back into it. Mike hit, hit the shot of his life. Right yeah, by the I ground. A, uh, I had a sand wedge that probably carried about sixty-five yards, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little chunky. Kind of, I mean, the next, heavy. the next sand wedge carried about sixty-five yards too. Is perfect. No, no, that was the hole I tripled on the back. Oh, okay. This was no, the no, beginning. I... This was the beginning of one of maybe the first meltdown I've had in like a decade, probably, where I've been really, <laughs> really, were... really pissed on a golf course. <laughs> I thought you stuck it on eight. No, no, I, I, I hit a good bunker shot on eight from that, from like that fifty-yard yeah, yeah. bunker shot to like six feet, and then missed it. Sort of but, describe it, yeah, Tim. Describe like you know, it's only a hundred-yard shot, and I think that's well, what it's we need. it's a hundred-yard shot, but I, it's it's a, uh, what is it, canter at? Probably a forty-five degree angle, so you really only have about ten yards of workable space front to back on that green. So even though it's it's a short shot, it's a very small green, and there's double bunkering behind and there's quadruple bunkering in front and it sits as uh an infinity green off to the cornfield behind so it it's a fairly intimidating 108 yard 105 yard shot and the wind can be blowing for us it was directly in i think a little bit in left to right um so it can be kind of a a, a tough test with your your wedge or your short iron from the back tee you know, a lot of, a lot of good, like, you know, you think of seven at Pebble, you think of the postage stamp, you know, like the like holes that are, you know, iconic par threes that, that don't have a ton of space to, to land the ball in a certain spot. I think those are, are fun because you can get definitely a two, right? You've got, a, you've got a scoring club in your hand, but you miss in the wrong spots. A five comes into play quick. Nine at Aaron Hills. The uh, nickname for that one is the shortest par five, <laughs> the shortest par five in Wisconsin or whatever it is. And it's like 150 <laughs> yards, 140 yards. I made a bogey. <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah, the front nine is like I said, if, if it's if it's it, it could play kind of difficult, and and um, 
you know, I, I don't think you'll ever be super nervous sitting on the tee boxes. I mean, you got plenty of space unless you're super wild. You'd probably be close to fairway. In fact, they don't really have rough. It's just basically fairway to fescue. So you're either going to be in fairway, fescue, or fairway bunker. Uh, unless you're oh. me, you'll be in the fescue of the cinema. If, unless <laughs> if you're me, because I was all over the place. I yeah, actually I think, say, huh? I was going to say, Jeff, I don't know if that's that's complete with the wind blowing at 20 miles an hour. With with no breaks, with with nothing holding back. I mean, you got to aim for a spot and just let it take it. It's, well, yeah, it's but a, it's, how it's a hundred something yard wide fairways. I mean, in they're wide. Oh, we missed them. We did. I would say before we uh, in the the front nine, I thought the tee shot on nine was one of the more beautiful tee shots. You sit up kind of by the eight green there. That was a really good looking tee shot with that huge bunkering on the left side. Oh, yeah. And that was one of the better looking tee shots, I thought. I mean, they're all pretty good. But and the second shot was really fun because there's that huge like mound on the right that balls are just slinging off of towards the whole the pin location we had. That was a really good hole. You know, what's weird. I'm, I'm looking at that because Zach and I went left and the left side of that bunker is not even featured in the yardage book. Yeah. Well, you are on not because you're not supposed well, to play it there. The right side, the, the right side gives you uh, the yardage book says play to the broad right side of the hole, which was plenty broad. <laughs> Someone was closer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, in, was in, two inches. We we had four guys play, and I believe like everybody's you know approach shot into that green was fairly tight, right? Like we had nobody, nobody probably over twenty feet from the hole. And that's going to happen out there, I think, with some of the pin locations because. There's going to be pin locations there with all the slopes where you can, you will have one guy that'll come in high and stick it right next to the pin. And another guy might, might hit it 30, 40 feet, right. And it just filters down a hill right to the same spot as the other guy that stuck it right in there, you know, that, which is the greatness about the golf courses. You can play it so many different ways and shots and uh, the greens are just amazing, like amazing complexes. Fairly tight. I was three inches from the hole. I believe yeah. that was for that was not for out of bounds off the key first. That was uh that was for well, par. <laughs> par the hard way, you know. Yes, exactly. So so then that I mean the front nine is you know great, but then you start coming back, working your weaving your way back towards the clubhouse. So at nine is kind of the farthest away you will ever get from the clubhouse. Then you start kind of working your way back, and let's start with the as we talk about the back nine. I know we had a little fun on hole ten. Oh, um, my Mike, God. I believe you, you dropped a ball on 10. Just oh, my to God. See what it would do. So describe. We had a front pin on 10. I, I could only imagine if they're, you know, you probably only want to use that big, big slope in the back if it's a front pin because otherwise it'd come back way too far. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It was, was awesome. It was. It's amazing. It's like straight up and down. And I just, I just dropped a wedge. I put it on Instagram. I don't know. It didn't get zoomed in. For it. Tim was, Tim, Tim kept the camera back so we, I could try to shot tracer instead of zooming in. I guess, but um, I'm like, let's just hit this off the back and see what happens. And I, I hit it farther than I had thought I was going to. It flew the entire green, hit the rough up above, and still came all the way back down like pin high to a front pin. It was, uh, it's amazing how steep that is. It's it probably is a an ball. eighty. From front to back, it's got to be close to like 70, 80 yards, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. It rolled forever. It just kept coming down this hill, coming, yeah. coming, coming. It was unbelievable. So that's the kind of stuff that I encourage you to like just to kind of see and, and witness, and, and especially your first time through seeing that kind of stuff. Hopefully you get a chance to play a second time, and you know all this stuff kind of going into the hole because 
you know, when we're the four of us were completely blind. I mean, we could read our books and, but you don't really know it until you see it. So whole 10 is pretty cool. And I think one, one thing that's cool about it is if you're a higher handicapper and you can get it off the tee a little bit, there's a lot of room out there where you can hit some bad shots and get away with them. Like that hole right there. You could hit it three clubs more than you needed to hit to a front pin and it would still be on the green and trickle back down. Like, right. You know, you could blade one over the green and it might come back down right to the hole. It could go in. It's crazy. I mean, I, uh, I flared mine 25 yards, right. And, uh, went 25 yards left of the pin on the green. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. Some of the complexes are amazing. And I'll, I'll say like, I went way left off the tee. Like I thought it was going to be way gone. I still was somehow in play. But then my next shot was blind. I threw one up there. Mike said it was like 30 yards long, and it just came all the way back, and I had the closest look for birdie somehow. Uh, well, I did do something on that hole that even the owner and the grounds crew hadn't they hadn't thought of this one yet, I don't think. Okay, yeah. I t- the, the wind, so the, so the pins out there aren't normal flags. They're, they're wind socks for like a crop-spreading airport, you know? They're awesome, of course, which I wish more courses would do something different than the standard, you know, boring pin. Um, but that one end is open. So the wind is, it's, it's going downwind. So it's just full blow going. And I had a good tee shot there finally and had like a lob wedge in, which I of course bladed and it almost <laughs> went into the windsock and like just barely missed it. It would have went right into the windsock and it could have dropped straight down in the hole. You never know. Uh, but of course the green is so freaking huge and sloped that it still stayed on the green and two putt for par, even though I bladed it way that, past that, the, the thing. That's, that's going to happen at some point. Some point, somebody will hit it into a windsock. Oh, for and, sure. And well, I don't know. The, uh, I don't know what is the what is the like circumference of the end of the windsock? Is that oh, something much that the ball... much wider than the ball? Okay, yeah, so the much, ball will much wider. Come out. Okay, oh, for sure. Yeah, so the ball will come and, out of it. It's just a matter of where is it going to spit it. One of the uh, ground screw guys has been uh, trying to hit it through a windsock since they started the course, or and we might talk about it over at Old Dane where they have them as well has been trying to hit one through for, for years. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Uh, well, back nine has a lot of fun things too. Like we talked, we'll get to 14 Timmy's Redan shot. Anything else that you remember that you want to discuss on the back nine side? I mean, yeah, I mean, 11's got, 11's got the, the only tree. Holes. 11's got the only tree out there, right? Oh, my first okay, so birdie. 11's a par five. Yep. Only tree. Birdie 11. Oh, yeah, birdie 11. So 12, we got to talk about 12 because 12 is where Tim thought he was going to win this match. <laughs> Tim, I saw, so 12 is 160 yards. Of course, I, for the second time on a par three, another hit, short par three, hit, uh, yeah, hit one like 50, chunked it, chunked a nine, 50 yards short, and then bladed it over and made a triple. Uh, which, by the way, when you're not a generational ball striker. So I was, uh, I believe I finished six over for the round. At this point, I was nine over. At, no, through 14, I was nine over, I think. So this is through 12. And I was uh, five over on par threes or something like that. I played the par threes yeah. just atrociously, just freaking awful. But, but Timmy thought, was, huh? I was just saying, that's a testament to, to the to the wind because we, we played a lot of holes in the backside yeah. more downwind than we did into the wind. I, I remember not having to think so much trajectory on the backside. It was just more of you know trying to figure out how much wind is on your back or left to right. So that is that comes into play. For sure. But Timmy thought he was going to get the dub. He was, he was prime for the W there, but uh, things, things changed in a hurry on the back nine for old Timothy. I got one thing. 
Mike was going to just take a five because he was too lazy. He goes, I'll just take a five <laughs> because I didn't get it to go back. Okay. <laughs> okay. Goes, so let me, let me goes, set the stage Guys, I'm just going to take a five. Like, for what? He didn't want to walk back. He did not want to walk back. Let me take, let me set, let me set the stage for you here. I was, I, was all, I was already in such a bad headspace. I was so pissed. I was just pissed. Uh, and I, I, played, I took a sandwich. And it was like one of those long bunker shots. I hit a shitty tee shot. It was like a 50-yarder over two other bunkers, which, uh, which you had to try to play off a back slope. Like, there was no chance of getting it close anywhere on the green. So I'm like, I got to fly to the back, which, of course, I it overflew was tidy. it. I overflew it. <laughs> and now I'm like, fuck. The card is like... 75 yards away. I'm not walking over there to get my 60. So then I had no chance back there without that. Hit it over the green again. And I was just pissed. I was more so just, I was so pissed at myself for the tee shot and just pissy. I was in a bad, like in a space I probably haven't been in since like high school golf, which was a long 20 some years ago. I but I got over it. I got over it after the triple. I, know, I thought it was funny. He just, mid. he did, he didn't want to take a six because he, he didn't go back and get the club he would have you. <laughs> I would have made with a 60. I made five at worst. <laughs> at worst, I would have flipped it on the green and had to putt That's for four. Funny. But I just, like, yeah, I'm I did the not. One that broke 80. I did not. Uh, I did. I, I shot 79. I birdied three of the last four, <laughs> baby. 41 38. I was, it didn't look good at that point until I got going just in time to tie you when you thought you were going to win. But that's a good example. There was no, there was no, um, there was no penalty that Mike took there. Like there was no water. There was no, I mean, with the greens and the, and the crazy complexes, you can take a triple bogey without hitting a single yeah, hazard. A lot of know? shitty shots. All right. Let's talk about the Redan hole. Hole 14, par three. Was it another, it's another long one. So I think it's something 240 about 240 from the tips. 240, 240 from the tips. However, as, as Tim kind of talked about and, and preluded to, in the uh, on the um, earlier part of the podcast, what did you hit, Tim? You hit like a like a three iron, maybe. Yeah, uh, kind of a, a low three iron, just a, a low runner up the right side of the green, like and dead what, right side. And and you would say from right to left on this green, how many yards would you say it is approximately from the left from the right side all the way to the left side where it ends? God, maybe. Mm -hmm. Close to a hundred yards. It's almost got to be, doesn't it? Well, yeah. The green, the green is uh, not like a. The green is um, like a wide rectangle, so it's not that fat, and it's sixteen thousand square feet, so it's big. It's super so, wide. It's super wide, and so what's crazy is Tim was, you know, he was short of the green. He didn't land his ball on the green. He it kind of landed what ten yards short of it, maybe. Yeah, ten five yards short. Ran up halfway up the uh, the right side of the green, and then. The trickle started, and it and did not stop. I mean, he it literally did not stop. Crazy, absolutely crazy. The pin was at the was you know when you're at the tee box, the pin is basically tucked behind this greenside bunker on the far left of it. It's a giant green, right? Tim's ball ends up twenty feet left of the flag, left yeah, of the flag. I, it, right. it and he hit it, and gone. he hit it, and he hit it on the very right side of the green on this massive green. It must green. have gone at least one hundred yards left, just based on the redan slope alone. And for a second there, I thought it was going to go all the way off. Um. So there's more more than one way to play it. I think if you landed it anywhere, if you if you carried it onto the green, and you had a little bit of height on it, you probably would have you know still funneled to the left and 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 have been fine. I guess the hard part is going to be if they move that flag. And if that flag is front, you know, to get it stopped 
to so not I, go take that to the, take that ridge. Well, then then you have to yeah. Mike and I talked about it. You got to play something high. A high cut. You would have to hit a really high cut with cut spin. And I bet you even then it still trickles left. Like if that's a front right pin, I don't even know how the hell you get it close. I, you could you could try to play like a bump and runner that rolls up there. I don't even know. I don't know. I tried to, I hit one that flew over the big bank, of course. And I was up by the cart path above the hole. And I it's, it's Steve up there. I putted it from mm -hmm. over the cart path. Just, just tapped it a little bit and went way past the hole. It's, it's crazy. It's a fun one. I think some of the locals that, that know it and the guys we talked about at, or talked to after the round, we talked about that green and somebody messaged me that it has, that's a member out there. And he's like, wait till you get to 14. Like, you know, cause I was yeah. talking about, um, I think it was, I think I mentioned something about, uh, the 10 green because it was crazy. He's like, wait till you get to 14 and there's no undulations in it. Like this isn't a bumpy thing. This is just a, a it's just a slope. So, yeah. Um, and you know, it, I don't know. I've never played some of the famous, famous Redan holes, but I've played some of the ones in Minnesota, like Minnesota Valley's number two might be the steepest Redan. Midland has one too. Midland, like number 16 or 17 has a smaller size Redan. Remember that one? It kind of slopes, but nothing like this. Like those, those you could, you could hit it and hit the green and they'll start rolling, but they stop. This one was like, there were no breaks, all gas, no breaks. Just, it was just going to keep going and going and going. It was, it's crazy. Boy, was it great. <laughs> so we better get to 15 when the comeback, the comeback began. Well, 15 yeah. is, is a, uh, is a very, very interesting hole when you get to the green. I will say 15 is kind of like a benign tee shot. You can't see a lot. It's sort of you just – and we were kind of like – we even hit a shot. We didn't even know where it landed because it was just a weird angle or I, I don't know. Well, no, we just kind of lost it. We pulled ours. And uh, for the listeners out there, I was three up on, on Mike at this time <laughs> going into 15. In match play, and, in match play. And, uh, and, and two up on Jeff, I think. Yeah. Timmy and was. I, is, Timmy had a grin on his uh, after the Redan hole. Tim had a smile, ear to ear. I could just see it, ear to ear. <laughs> he thought he thought it was over. But uh, I think part of the thing with the tee shot is that hole is long. Looking at the yards book, the red tees are six forty. Yeah, so that yeah, was the I things are so far away. Mm -hmm. you, you you think you can get to them? There's just no chance because they're so far. And we should. I think we were one box up from that. I think we. I, played think, we, I think we played six hundred yards. Okay, because Mike I, Mike got on it in two. Yeah, we were into the wind though too. Yeah, yeah, I hit driver full three wood, mm -hmm. and got on in the bottom of that swale. Now, yeah, you go from a Redan green where there's no undulation to one of the most ridiculous. I mean, you could play hide and seek on this on this green. You could play. <laughs> you could lay down in that, and you'd have no idea that somebody's actually on the green. It's uh, Honestly, 20, it's it twenty eight thousand square feet, and not the largest that we've we haven't even got the largest one yet. It's on. Uh, it's this slow. You could take your kid sledding on the screen. I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, and I, I don't know. Again, it'd be really fun to play it where they put the different pins because ours was all the way in the back back. So you had to go over all these slopes to even get to it and and, and access it. Um, this is one of those ones that Mike talked about at the very beginning. I hit one. Um, a approach shot that I thought was way left. You know, the pin was back right, and I got up there and it must have taken it. 40 feet to the right, closer to the hole. So you can hit bad shots and they can be somehow good shots. And like he said, there's times where you think you hit a good shot ends up as a bad shot. So this is one of those greens where um, you could have some frustration. There could be definite three putts depending on where you're at on it. 
this was a this is where I, I think in the Mike Tim matchup there, this is where there was a little hearkening to the Steve Scott Tiger Woods. Uh the Steve Scott Tiger Woods and Tiger was way down and he was in the Dell drums and he made a birdie and got going and Steve Scott just folded up. This is kind of where Oh please. Oh, there was no <laughs> folding on my lap. No, you just made holes. a bunch of pars actually, which just weren't good enough. <laughs> well well mike let's just put it this way mike was on in two he had probably about a what 40 foot eagle putt you couldn't even see the hole it was like straight and up he had the hill. probably like an 18 say, foot birdie putt <laughs> i see there's just 69 oh. yards marked on the yardage book here and i think that's how deep that that's the crevice was between between <laughs> the two tiers of the green it just dipped so yeah. far down so far back up yeah, well, let's get 16, line. you know, 16 is another hole, but 17 is the next one I think we need to talk about. It's the one, if you see my Instagram on it, it's the, you know, it's a well, drivable, quote unquote, drivable par for. We're not, um, we're not doing the reverse cape. That was a sweet hole. 16 was cool. Yeah. Mike is throwing sure. a fit on the tee box. I thought it was in the shit, but it was right by the green. Yeah. <laughs> Who well, knew? If you want, Who knew? I mean, so, so I think we may have played that one up a box too. We, might have, played the, we might have played the 410 box, I think, because they, we played, we played the Reds, but they had a couple that were moved up a, a box. And here's Mike just thinking he blasted it right into the shit again. <laughs> again, big flail ball, throwing a hissy fit on the tee box. Woe is me. We get up there. What is this golf ball sitting 20 yards off the front of the green? <laughs> Perfect. Should have birdied there too. The, a decent chip. I would have birdied that one too. As the crew might have said, that might be the longest ball we've seen on that hole. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, should have birdied it, so, damn it. Let's talk about 17. Yep. All right, drivable par four. Um, well, of course you want to talk about 17. Well, I think, okay. we kind can of the, It's kind of, it's kind of the same. It's, it's, it's do you want to talk hole. about your match? Do we want to it's, spend more time on your match or the actual no, holes? No, 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 no. This, this is Jeff's hole. And it's the hole that's kind of the signature that's been all over the internet that Rob talked about in our last episode. It's the it's the play on Sitwell Park, you know, the famous green that if you Google Sitwell Park, if you didn't listen last week, there's an old um, photo that Alistair McKenzie had this green with people standing on different levels of it. Like one guy's on the far right and one guy's on the bottom left and guys in the middle and they're like all crazy different heights because this green is wild. And it's one of those things where um, nobody really ever thought about doing it because it, with modern green speeds, you would have to make these humongous flat areas as part of this green to make it work well. Rob did. This green is uh, 36,000 square feet. It is the largest green in North America, I believe. Well, and it's a gravel par four, so it's great. Let, let me read this part that says it is a 36,000 square foot green, and there are simply way too many possibilities to play this hole to even detail them here. So it's to the point where you could, if you want, you could lay up. And it's got a, he said he has a 120 foot yard wide fairway, so you could hit iron. Um, you know, I think most people, if they can, you know, hit their driver decent, are gonna and are gonna go for it because that's fun. Um, but I would be interested to see the different locations of the pins on this one as well. I think we got kind of a good one in terms of getting it close because it wasn't in the way back or was, you know, it was just kind of on that front little where everything feeds towards it. Um, I will say that I did put one to about a foot, you know, off the box for a tap and eagle. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was going to go in. I almost missed it. hold it. 
I missed yeah. a uh I missed like a 15 20 footer for Eagle. Thankfully Tim just made yep. a routine par again. Yep. So it, it's <laughs> uh it's you know you look at it and again it's kind of like that 240 yard par 3. It's like there's a lot of space and even if you you know, you know you miss a little left or right you could still you know have a have an eagle putt or or at least a, a nice chip on to have a good look at birdie. So it is I just don't know what it would be like in different pin spots. That's yeah. my only we had probably the easiest pin location you can maybe have, like right in the that's middle. Not, if, that's it's, if, if it's like back left and you're on the front, you got to try to chip it up there. Then you go long or something. You could roll it all the way back down off this like yeah. 36,000 square foot green, possibly. Yeah. Think of how big the viewership would be, Jeff, if you would have made that hole in one. That would have been incredible. <laughs> on a par four on, <laughs> before the course even opens. You guys would have been my my good luck charms. An albatross with you and then a hole in one on a par four. I, mean, I, I, think, I would I have, I would have officially uh, quit the podcast and never <laughs> talked to you ever again in my life. <laughs> I think you guys, because I'm sitting here singing, I'm sitting here like anxiously, like this thing is going right at the hole, like going, I could just see like you guys behind me, like don't go in, don't go in. <laughs> oh, I was cheering for it. I was too. Yeah, what a great story that would have been. That would have been awesome. Yeah, so. Anyways, fun hole. Um, it would be one of those holes like you want to putt out and then you want to try a couple shots around the green because it's like, it's so. Zach and I did. Uh, I tried. For, I tried a couple long putts, you know, trying to catch slopes, and I missed the slope both times. They're so big, and it's like, oh my god, I hit that hard, and still didn't even get to the slope on the other side of the green. For yeah. any listeners that have excellent hole in one stories, please send them to Short Sighted Golf Instagram. Yeah, I'd love to hear about golf. all your hole in ones, but I am still searching. You have. Yeah, so, feel free. Short side of golf Instagram. Send me all of your bullshit lucky ones where it goes through trees, hits something, you know. And I'll just keep. I'll just keep searching. Mike um, has no hole in ones yet. <laughs> As Rob talked about on the podcast last week, he said there will be people out there that will go eagle eagle to end. And so eighteen is a, of course, downwind. We're coming back to the clubhouse, you know, going towards it. Downwind. Seventeen was downwind. Eighteen downwind. Um you know, very reachable par five, uh, you know, kind of a, a weird look on the tee. Like you don't really can't see everything. You just see like a, a fairway bunker. That's about it. <laughs> so it's just a matter of, I guess, picking a target and letting it rip. Um, yeah, it's five sixty five. It's not super long. No. And it was downwind, but there is a booby trap out there that uh, can catch a golf ball. It's not very big. But, Boy, did um, it. <laughs> I did it. I found you. <laughs> In the yardage book, if you squint, you can see that you can yeah. see that bunker out there. If you squint in the yardage book, it's yeah. right there. And Boy, is that in, bunker small? Yeah. <laughs> and if you go in that bunker, you're you're basically gonna have to take your medicine and just hit a wedge out of there. I tried to get too greedy and hit like a nine or eight iron to get more. I was down a ten by one at the time, so I tried to. I I knew he was in good spot. I had to try to force something, and of course, I hit the lip. And in anyway, so 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 eighteen is a is a is a fun hole and i think the best part about it is if you just get off the tee your your second shot is going to be pretty cool you've got a gigantic i think they call it the milk carton yeah um bunker and it's huge it's uh more toward the left side of the green the green is elevated up right at the right at the um the clubhouse we got a nice i think a pretty fairly benign pin spot you know front right or back what was it right um middle middle right middle right um you know the green is again gigantic you can you can imagine another big green so they could put the pin in a bunch of different spots i think zach went in the bunker but because of where the pin was that bunker didn't come into play as much as you know it would be if it was back left or, or something like that so 
really cool view. I mean, that's a that's a part you want to take a picture of. You got the clubhouse in the background, the cool bunker, um, very is, picturesque. It, kind of a shame. So nicknamed or or named milk carton, right? Because if you go in there, you're you're lost for days. They have to yep. send out the old milk carton sign on yep. the side. Lost milk carton. Yeah, that's how people knew people were missing. And. I have to say fantastic merch around that t-shirt, that logo, and, and just being yeah. lost in that bunker. Yep. So, they had great, they had great merch in the little pro shop there. Buy some stuff if you go, but I tried to get, I tried to make Rob's prediction that somebody will go Eagle Eagle finish come to fruition. Yet I missed two 15 foot putts on 17, 18. Yeah. You had a chance. You had definitely a chance, had a chance, but so the, the fireworks are definitely down the stretch. You can oh, get some, sure. some cool things. You barely eked out a tie. Another a tie, Papago, Papago, and and uh, Landman. Yeah, and then w- the other two have been wins, so it's two zero and two, I guess. Well, yeah, we tied in stroke right. play and in match play. You guys can talk about this in a bar later if you want. <laughs> that's that's the, the 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 cool part about the very end of it. We got a chance to sit down with the owner, um, the uh, superintendent. And some of the guys that have, you know, dug the dirt in this place and actually put a lot of time into it. It was really cool to hear them, you know, they're very passionate about about it, um, believe in it. Um, you know, they put a lot of equity, sweat, and time and probably money into this place. So um, to hear them talk about it and, and how proud they were of it is it was was a pretty cool experience, I thought. Everybody kind of sat down and had a beer afterwards and and just we just kind of talked about how fun much fun we had and um, you know, the, the unique shots that we got a chance to hit and the, you know, how do you, where do you put the pin on this flag and, you know, it's, or on the, on this screen and stuff like that. So that was, I like, I thought was one of my favorite parts was just sitting down with the people at the end and, and getting to hear from them too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how many golf courses can you, you know, top level golf courses can you think of that have uh, farmers that as the owners can't, you know, usually it's owned by some big conglomeration of, of, uh, you know, uh, Kaiser's or Troon or some company. This is just um, a farmer who's a good golfer, by the way. He plays played in the U.S. Mid Am, uh, and his dad, I think, they are the two primary owners, I believe. Um, and they're and they were out there, uh, you know, talking and wondering what we thought, and it was awesome. Um, and, and what I thought, and Tim, maybe Tim's played some courses that I haven't played, but to me, um. It's it's more fun than any of the Wisconsin courses that I, you know, Sand Valley, uh, Whistling, or Aaron Hills, which are all great golf courses. But if you go down to um, Landman, you are going to see something that you that you have never seen before on a golf course. I, I don't, I can't imagine. And there, there, I might be wrong here somewhere in the world. I can't imagine a golf course with more complex green systems than this one. They're out of this world, uh, insane in an awesome way. Um, and it's so unique and so fun. And it's like, you know, four and a half hours from the Twin Cities or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And what are green fees going to be like 150 bucks or something like that? I think so. You know, easily that, that's that's easily worth it to go play yeah. once. And- you, you have to see this place. Uh, we, I mean, we played Mammoth Dunes. We played Sand Valley. I played uh, Tobacco Road, Aaron Hills. Um, 
I mean, even even something like Terry Eady looks small in regards to what you see out of land movement, out of undulation changes, and out of massive bunkering that you see here. It was just, it was absolutely unreal. Um, probably one of my favorite places to play so far, and and that's saying a lot just with all the places I have played. Well, and, and like Rob mentioned, like when you stand on a tee box, you don't realize how big it is. It doesn't, it just dwarfs the property so big. Like everything just kind of looks smaller than it actually, when you get on it though, and you stand on that, like, holy, this is gigantic. Um, and so it has that just kind of mystique about it. I mean, we were even saying, or Mike was saying, you could put a whole another two par fours in the space between these two holes. Oh right? yeah. That, there's, there's like there's all kinds so of space much room. up there. It's crazy. Yeah. And the sure. greens again, like, I know the rest of it is awesome too, and you got the Barranca and the bunkers, but the green complexes are what they did, what Rob and King Collins did there. It's almost like some of the green complexes are like a putting course. You know, like you go to the you go to the Drumlin at Aaron Hills, or you go to, you know, what's this'll do? Is that the one at Gamble Sands or the Cradle? Yep. And what's the one at what's the one at Pinehurst? Cradle. No, not the Cradle. Some of these greens are like some of these greens are like off of like almost like a putting course, just crazy yeah. slope to them and crazy undulation and banking. And they're unbelievable. You, you, you have to play it to understand what these, you know, listening to us and looking online only gives you a little picture of what they're actually like. They're unreal. Uh, unlike anything you've ever seen. The, the superintendent's quote was, you know, it takes a ton to wake this place up and it takes a lot to put it to bed. You know, it's just, there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, two hours of sitting on a, you know, to cut the green or whatever on 17, however long it takes. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're put, there's a lot of work that needs to be put into that place. Cause it's so big. I mean, there's just so much property there. Um, so anyways, highly recommend it. Um, I would recommend if you are going to go out there to play it, like find a way to play 36. Yeah. Like find a way to be able to hit those shots when you know kind of what it's actually really like. You know, the, the, the books can give you only a little bit of a of a glimpse of, of what to do. So that would be my recommendation. Well, we yeah. should probably recommend Old Dane too, which is uh yeah. I think what Will's Will's original design, just him by himself. So yep. kind of a harken from the past and something that I think he said he was gonna try to grow from nine holes into twelve or thirteen holes to give uh players a little bit of a loop um, to play in downtime in between playing landman, uh, yep. but really cool fescue bunker faces, very flat in comparison, but you know, something to, if you got beat up a little bit too bad, uh, get yourself away from the wind, from the undulation, from the greens and, and go play something a little bit more manageable until you turn back into the hillside and get beat up again. And there yeah. is going to be place like I think Tim mentioned at the very beginning of the pod. There, there, there's four cabins built right now. They have plans to build more. You know, there'll be a stay in, in stay in play. You know, I would I would think package. You know, if that's something that you're interested in. They also talked about they're going to be building a bigger cabin as well. Mm-hmm. So that you know the four person small cabins. There's going to be a bigger one on property. So there's plans there that they're going to hope to develop as as time goes on. And more than just golf, I think I think. Uh, after they shut the course down in the mid October, they're going to do like pheasant hunting out there. It's like a hunt club. Yeah. Uh, and what did he say in the winter time, they have hockey. a pond. They're going to freeze over for like boot hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got other things planned uh, besides just golf during the golf season. So, and the property's huge. You could easily hunt like pheasant. I mean, 
Holy shit, yeah. you could walk around that thing for days. It's massive. God, you could you could hunt deer. You could bring out a rifle and that place yeah. is so big. Yeah. For sure. So anything last thoughts before we transition out of, of Landman? No, get down get down there and play. I hope I hope next year we're able to get back there sometime and uh check it out. Hundred percent. If if for some out. reason it it is fully booked for reservations on property for stay, there are a host of options in Sioux City. So if you can get a tea time, get out. Go play it. You're not far. 25, you, 30 minutes. Yeah, and you will not be disappointed. It is unbelievable. And bring cash to Miles. <laughs> Miles is the uh, the local dive bar we went to afterwards for their. Oh yeah, yeah. The yes, great little sa- the great little sandwich burger thing that didn't wasn't oh, yeah. actually a burger. That was money. Yeah, the owner the owner recommended that. That was. Yeah. Like we got one, it was like holy crap. We looked at each other like that was good, and then we both kind of just walked back up and got another Hell one. Yeah, schooners of beer. Let's go. Burger sandwich with some American cheese, couple pickles on top, and a uh, what a three seventy five bush light out of the tap, and <laughs> I think it was what a twenty ounce bush light for three seventy five. Yeah, I don't know. It was cheap. Well, the tour championship wrapped up this week. Uh, Rory starts six down to Scotty Scheffler. Um, and a kind of a thrilling finish uh, at the end. Uh, takes him down and wins the tour championship. Puts the tired tour on his back. And uh, I don't know, trying to be a hero. It seems like. Does he win Sportsman of the Year? Sportsman of the Year for all of us. He's <laughs> taking a stand. He's the PGA Tour guy, and he backed it up because at the end of the day, when it all boils down to it, he's the best player in the world when he's making if he's making some putts like he did he made some putts over 10 feet like he made four putts over 10 feet he made zero in that last round of the open championship if a few putts go in he's the best player no questions asked he just is well aaron Rodgers for a uh, sportsman of the year but uh, <laughs> uh for for yet another one and done playoff playoff uh last year okay well no he's just he's a good golfer he's taking psychedelics on the sports field you know Ah. Well, I say, you know, Rory is, is, you know, putting is one of the big things, but he's also improved his wedge play. Like he has always been a good driver of the golf ball, but there's been times where he's got, you know, 90 yards in and he ends up putting it 35 feet, you know, from the hole. So his wedge play has improved. Um, and I don't know, he seems like he's in a good mental space too. Like he doesn't seem like he's stressed. I think at a point of time, he kind of lost himself a little bit there, kind of lost who he was, trying to be Bryson, I think is kind of what he had said. He's trying to, you know, overpower golf courses, and he just kind of got back to who he is. And that's a scary thing. Like, if he kind of just keeps this mode and in this attitude and walks around like he's the best player in the world, I think there's uh, hopefully a major out there for him next year. Yeah, Augusta. What are your, what are your thoughts on this kind of aggregate scoring, though? Because it, it. it just doesn't set up a lot of people for victory going down the line. Um, I, I, I just think it does a disservice to what could be another major when we do need another major because of football season, we moved the British Open, the Open, so far forward. Moved the PGA into God knows when in May. Um, it just kind of leaves a vacuum. We talked about this last week when you were MIA match oh, play. Oh, okay. Have a huge match. That'd be awesome. Have a fall match play like 32 or 64 man field and just, you know, spread it out. You could even spread it out over two weeks and use different courses. Like, okay. The, you know, the first two rounds are here, the next something, 
it would be sick. I don't know why they can't figure that out. You would um, have to make sure like some of the people that, you know, they're top of the, have earned some sort of buy or two buys or whatever, just to make sure that that spot that they earn going into it is, is, yeah. you know, useful. Cause we all know match play, like 60th person could lose to the, you know, best sure. person. But you could also, you would have to then like, okay, Scotty Scheffler, you were number one for the season. We're going to give you more cash on the front end too, you know, just to yeah. accommodate for those upsets that, that do happen in match play. But like, look at how much, like we talked about this the other week, watching the US Am, you know, and we, and we have Derek coming up here on an interview, yep, yep. was way more fun watching the US Am match play finals than the PGA Tour, you know, a FedEx Cup final three events or whatever it was there yeah, that same day. It was. it was way more fun. Like, nobody was like excited to tune in Thursday, see Sky Scheffler at minus, you know, 10 under, and then kind of like, because there's nothing really. Sunday was intriguing because people started to kind of come back to the pack and, and, and things, but like it was a snooze fest until you actually see if somebody's going to make a move on a guy that's got 10 strokes on somebody else. I mean, it's not really anything that is exciting on Thursday or Friday. Well, and Scheffler just handed it to him. Like he was the worst score of the whole tournament that day. I think on Sunday, was he three over? Three over. Like he was the worst, I think of everybody in the whole field, all 30 or 29 guys. Cause Zalatoris pulled out. Like he just completely, you know, Mr. Unflappable at the beginning of the year showed a lot of chinks in the armor, which I wonder if that gives him. I don't think it does. I think he's a pretty laid back, you know, dude. Like if you listen to him talk afterwards, he had a great message and perspective on everything. And, but I wonder if that just creeps in there a little bit going into, you know, next season. Like, wow, I, I blew that one, you know, big time. Yeah. That one had a few bucks to it, too. Yeah. Wow. I think he's already done pretty well this year. A couple dollars here or there is not going to kill him. And he still no. drives his old truck from like, that's got like 170,000 <laughs> miles on it. Why not? Yeah. Why not? He's, he's a classic point A to point B kind of guy, I think. Or, yeah. yeah. Point so, A to point B. Yeah. I think they got to do something. It was just, I mean, you know, Sunday was somewhat fun just because the scores were, were close, but like sitting back and thinking that so-and-so, you know, then you got to unpack who actually really won the tournament. Like who actually had the lowest score who, you know, what was that leaderboard looking like? Um, I think Max Homa talked about it a little bit. Like he, you know, his kind of goal was to win the tournament without the extra strokes. I just wanted to win the stroke play tournament, see where I fell after that. You know, he yeah. kind of had that mindset, which is probably what you got to have. I mean, well, I think that's part of it too. It's just, you know, um, outside of their kind of goofy format. How, how good was it? How close was it? I mean, granted, we got very lucky this year with a couple of people coming back to center, um, a couple of people doing very well, regardless of the strokes that they went into. Uh, I think the tour lucked out with the finish that they got, but it's not conducive to have that finish every time. You just get a couple of guys that are way too far in front compared to the rest of the field. Um, I think it just does a, a disservice on the viewership. I get it that you're trying to give away guaranteed money almost to an extent, but it just, for the viewership, it, it sets so many people so far ahead uh, that it gets to be a little bit dull if someone can start to kind of take away with it. And they had a soft golf course, which, you know. Um, it's the Rory specialty. Yeah, and I think I don't. There are some people that like watching, you know, the soft golf courses where they tear it up, but it it also takes away the possibility of a lot of big numbers and something crazy happening. Cause it's just so soft. They can just hit it here. It's going to stop. 
you could make East Lake pretty difficult if they want if they if it was no rain and they got it really firm. Um, but it was so soft, and I, that's a problem. I think move the, move that event. It doesn't always have to be at East Lake. The, there's there are there are some horses for that golf course. Rory's good there. Xander Shoffley has been amazingly good there. Like every single year, it's like you got three or four guys that have a way better. They just own that place for whatever reason. Um, so I don't know. Move it around. Yeah, it should something. be it should be another U.S. Open scenario. Well, and yeah, and it's like it's in August. You could put it put it in some northern states. That those are months where you could actually play in the northern states. Like, why are you putting a you know, this event in Atlanta, Georgia, every August. Like, yeah, like, it it makes saw, no sense. Oh, my goodness. The SWAS there's we saw only, in John Rahm was, was enough to, you know. <laughs> well, there's only 30 players, right? There's there's a lesser there's a lesser group that's going to go watch it than a U.S. Open. There's only 30 players. You need less infrastructure. Get creative. Yeah. You could finally move it out to all the places that we'd love to see a U.S. Open at that you can't because yeah. there's not enough infrastructure because you have to host so many fans. And there's only 30 players. There's so much, so many less people going. You could, you could finally do something abandoned. You could finally go out to Briar's Head. You could finally, you know, put it down at Seminole. Um, you could do so much with the uh, the tour finish that would make it interesting, other than East Lake. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I don't know. Well, I hope they do something. It's kind of, it's kind of lame. I don't know. Well, there's always live. Yeah, well, that's not not that late. We'll, we'll get into live at a different time. There's, Thankfully, there's, my boy Cam Young is staying. Thank yeah, God. there's been some news with some guys moving, but until until it's kind of more finalized, it's it's not. It's just I don't know. It's not what we're talking about every time. So, I think some people are lived out. If that makes sense. The, the not, talk about not who's Jocko, going, who's not staying, Jocko, who's going, who's Yeah, I think I think the Chileans are out. Peace my out. Lat, my lat, my Latin love picks are done now. Which you know, I know we said we're not gonna talk about, it, but but Liv actually made some some move moves. When you're getting some of the youngest talent out there, that's actually a, a thing. Like you know, the washed up guys is one thing, but you're actually getting some of the guys at the top of their games. That's a thing. That's a problem. Was, I thought I thought it was kind of a win loss scenario. They got Cam Smith. Everybody knew that was gonna happen. They got Jocko and Mito Pereira, but the big fish they didn't get was Hideki. Because when it comes to when it comes to worldwide golf, you probably have Tiger and Rory, and, and Hideki's probably the third most important player just because of the Asian market. And the PGA Tour knew this, and I'm assuming they probably worked out a deal because he was supposedly going to get like 400 million from Live yeah. and Strixon and stuff to play. I'm guessing they worked out something under the table and said, "Here's the deal, Hideki." You know, what about uh, Sanjay? Yeah, but he's not nearly as big as Hideki is. No, but there. like they're they're trying. They, they got they got. Uh, um, uh, who else do they get from a from a different market? Uh, uh, Anna Lahiri, I think, is going. They there. got Lahiri. Yeah, they got Lahiri. India, I mean, they're, they're from just India, which is a big, which of, is a big. You know, yeah. shoot, it's the second most populous country on earth, but well, I think they don't have the number of golfers that you know that other parts of Asia is have. Korean? Is he Korean? Sanjay is Korean. Yeah, I they. Mean, uh, but Cameron Young, my guy, said he talked to him. And he turned him down so that, you know, at least he's honest. I mean, at least he said I was thinking about it, but anyways, he would have made me, he would have made me look like a fool with, he wouldn't have been able to get world ranking points and finally get into the top 10 next year. Like I predicted. <sighs> yeah. That, that would have been funny because he, he goes live and then he doesn't get to your prediction. <laughs> so, well, we're going to wrap up. Um, 
we've got an interview here with Pepperdine senior and semifinalist in the USAM, uh, Derek Hitchner, four-time USAM qualifier, um, won a bunch of Minnesota events. I'll be the first one to tell you, like, this kid is a humble dude. He loves golf, carries himself tremendously on and off the golf course. I think you'll like our chat. Tim, would you agree with that? Fantastic. Yeah, so with that being said, thanks for listening. Go play Landman. And if you do, let us know what you thought. Um, and then enjoy this interview. So until then, I guess next week, huh? Yep. Next make sure you, uh, if you are listening to the podcast, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, like, follow on all the social medias and all that stuff. Yep, Send your whole in one stories to Short Sighted Golf. Yep. Yeah. Short Sighted Golf Instagram, all the whole in one stories you can tell me. I'll just, you know, probably <laughs> give you some sort of like, Guy crying in the shower emoji thing. <laughs> <laughs> Melting in the shower crying. Just <laughs> yeah. So have a great Labor Day, everybody. Labor Day Later. weekend. We are here with USAM semifinalist as well as Minnesota native and Blake graduate Derek Kitchener. Derek, thank you for joining us this evening. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we're going to start with the latest boost to your golfing resume. It was USAM, which was held at Ridgewood Country Club in New Jersey. Um, I believe this is the fourth time you've qualified for the event and obviously your best finish. Um, you got all the way to the final four, but what people may not remember is you actually were in a playoff from the stroke play portion to get into match play. I want to mm. know a little bit about that experience and your mindset going into the playoff um, as well as about what you thought of the golf course. Yeah. Yeah. And funny enough, I was actually also in a playoff for the, the qualifier for the actual tournament. So I, oh, for real? I yeah, yeah. Nerves so of steel on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it just kind of fell my way. I mean, it was, I mean, both of those experiences were insanely stressful just knowing that, I mean, obviously every shot matters, but that is just such a, I don't know, such an, like an urgent example of that in the sense that and there's there's no room for error on on any of those shots and the the playoff for for to make it to match play was on a just a kind of a short par three and and so yeah it was just kind of a, a comfortable nine iron i guess but it just it, it was just a very very stressful moment um and so i there were four groups since there were 15 guys and i, I played second or i was in the second group um and there were two bogeys in the first in the first group and so i'd kind of gone in with the mindset that probably needed par just to to survive to another hole but when there are two bogeys on the on the board early on then it maybe seemed like bogeys in play but still i i felt like i needed to make par and um luckily enough i hit it somewhat solidly and, and got it on the green and then the the real issue from that point was that i hit a 30 footer about five feet by so i i had i faced that basically to survive luckily enough i, I put a decent stroke on it and and got it to go in um which was pretty elating but yeah, overall the the course was just absolutely incredible. I I thought it was it was a really fair but very very demanding test, and um, I thought it, it rewarded good play, and it was yeah it was a treat to be there. So there was uh there was some talk from the analysts that Ridgewood set up harder than the U.S. Open format. Yeah, do you feel like yeah. you're ready for for the U.S. Open after what you faced out there? <laughs> Well, it, it's hard for me to say, but I, I mean, I, I know a few guys who played in both the, the US Open and the amateur. And I, I mean, that was a pretty consistent message and takeaway from, from all of them. And so I, I, I guess I have to take their word for it. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe, but I can kind of see it. I mean, it course was long and the rough was so unforgiving too. And it, it just, it felt like the US Open with just the length with the greens, with the, the type of rough. And so it kind of seems that way. I mean, I, I guess I won't know until hopefully I can I can make it there one day. But I, 
I mean, it, I feel like that is probably good preparation for, for a tournament like that. How about, how about green speeds? Yeah. So they were, they were very quick. Um, I, I think they were probably stimping around a 13 and then at the other course for, for stroke play, they might, they actually felt a little faster. And so you just had to be so careful both on the green, but also just with how you positioned yourself around it with your, with your approach shots. And so it just created, it just caused, I guess, necessitated a lot of thinking and kind of a lot of plotting with, with how you played. Great. When you said uh, that must make five foot or Tim and I got a little EBGBs going, we're not the best at the little five foot comebackers. So. Yeah. Someone, someone tied it up on Tuesday. All right. <laughs> um, well, let's get to match play part. It seems like it's a format that fits your game pretty well. What is it? What about the match play part? Do you like? Yeah, I, I just, I feel good in match play. I mean, it, it just, it feels comfortable from the standpoint of bad shots. Aren't that penalizing just because, I mean, you can just absolutely blunder all over a hole and just be one down and, and, it's just, it's so easy to reset as opposed to if you're in stroke play and you need to score, like bad holes really drag you down. And so it just, I, for me, that allowed me to feel a little more kind of free flowing and, and just that I could go out there and play aggressively. Cause I knew that, you know, I mean, there, there are bogeys out there just inevitably with how hard the course was. And so just, I just kind of had the, the perspective that I was going to have a few bad holes, but that that wouldn't really detract me as much as it might in stroke play. And so just that generally, I think is, is a cool feature of match play. And it's something that I guess I, I enjoy experiencing. Do you try, I mean, in, in this sense, the golf course is kind of tough. You're playing match play. You're only worried about one other guy. Are you, are you trying to kind of have the mindset of, of just making par? Or are you, I'm going to try a birdie depending on where my guy I'm playing against is at. Like that's, it's kind of like a chess game. Yeah. It is. I would say with match play, that's pretty course dependent. Um, I played in the Western Aim a week before, and I I played in two rounds of match play, and the, the rounds I faced were 66 and 65. And so pars in that in that setting are, are not really going to get it done. But at Ridgewood, it, it was kind of the opposite. It was if you shot around even, I mean, theoretically, if you made 18 pars, it would probably be a, a really close match. And um, just the, the problem is as, as the tournament progresses, like you – probably need to start playing a little better. Um, and in that last match, for example, I just lit- felt like I literally part every hole and against, against Ben Carr that, I mean, yep, that, yep. That just is not, it's not going to get it done. And so, um, yeah, in general, I mean, I think if you, if you try to make par, you're, you're going to be pretty successful, but I mean, there, there were birdie opportunities if you were playing well and, and on a few, few situations, I was able to, to take advantage of that, thankfully. Um, but by and large par, par is pretty good out there. So Derek, I've, I've got some kind of the story of you up online here, and it, it talks about you as, as becoming the anchor of Pepperdine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but now we've got this whole new USAM, um, how well you did there. Can you talk about the stressors in, in either one? Which one takes the cake? Uh, are you looking forward to getting back this year? Um, you know, yeah. where have you been and what does the future bring? Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, I mean, the, the anchor characterizations maybe a little generous i we had we've just had such a good team in the last few years where we've kind of rotated between like everyone's rotated between the one spot and the five spot and they're i'm mean, there there's still a couple guys on the team that are just better ranked than me and so i um yeah i it was nice being a, a kind of a central part of the team last year um and we're i think we're still going to have a, a really solid team again moving forward just because we have some good transfers coming in to replace some of the all-americans we're losing um, so yeah, we're excited about that. 
And yeah, just with the last two tournaments, I think it's, it's just a good confidence booster overall, just knowing that I can just play against some of the best players in the, in the world and hold my own to a, to a certain extent. And so I think that's, that's pretty helpful just moving on to the, moving into the college scene and, and hopefully I can try to sustain that play. What kind of, what kind of smack talk do you bring to the locker room now? <laughs> you know, my, my smack talk is, is not that stellar. Um, <laughs> it's I work on, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an understatement. I, I'd say for the most part, I, I mean, if I'm really comfortable with someone, I, I might, might do a little banter, but it honestly, it, I, don't, I don't really do that a whole lot. It, like if I'm, if I'm in a competitive setting, I, I try to just let the shots speak for themselves at Pepperdine. That has not worked very much just because of how good the team's been. But, um, that, yeah, I guess that's kind of my approach. So I was going to, I have one more thing. I, I want to talk obviously about Pepperdine a little bit too, but I had one more thing that I want to ask, um, about the USAM before we fully transition. I, I just want to ask, well, you know, when you look back at that week, um, what do you, what are some of your like most memorable moments, shots? I mean, something that you're like, dang, that was when I did, I mean, I don't think you had ultimately that many, maybe your first match was pretty close. Otherwise there are a lot of three and twos and, and obviously the match with, with Ben Carr, but like when you look back at that week, oh, I can't believe I drilled that pot or, that shot yeah. I hit on 14 versus who, you know, was, was so huge in my confidence, you know, something that mm-hmm. let me look back in the week. Definitely. Yeah. There are a handful of moments, both good and bad. I mean, I like part of me looks back at that last semifinal match and there are a couple of moments where I feel like I, if I maybe made a putt, it, it could have really changed things. But I also think back to how there, there were kind of several instances where I needed to make a putt just to move forwards. And like, there was one in the stroke play round where I made, probably a, a seven footer on my th- I think third to last hole at the other course called Arcola. And that, I mean, that was absolutely necessary just because the last couple holes were pretty hard and I had to make par. And so a par save there. Um, and yet, I, I, honestly, the, the putt in the, on the playoff hole for par was, was pretty, cr- I mean, that was the definition of crucial just because if I missed yeah. that, I was pretty much done. And so it's just, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Just looking back on those moments and just recognizing that I, kind of got the job done when I needed to. Obviously there, there are moments where I didn't, but it's, um, yeah, it, it's cool to look back on, on when it, when it did go successfully. Got it. Well, let's go back to that Pepperdine. You were a national championship team, 2021. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you talked about, like you've got a squad. I mean, you've had a squad since you've been there. Um, what's it like trying to crack that lineup? I mean, that's gotta be a tall task for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was in- incredibly challenging for the first honestly, three years. And as a result, I didn't, I didn't play a whole lot. Um, things kind of changed this, this last year where I kind of kept getting better and the team team shrunk a little bit. And, but for the first three years, I mean, I played pretty sparingly. I, I think I would play just kind of a couple times each semester, but it was basically just, it was a, a situation where I had to be in my A game in qualifying. And if you weren't shooting probably three to four under per qualifying round, then you're just getting passed by, by excellent players. And, and so there are just a lot, there were a lot of moments where I I felt like my game was good enough to, to play in the lineup, but it, it just wasn't good enough compared to, to everyone else. And so, I mean, it's humbling, it's motivating. It's kind of a lot of things, but in the end, I I really attribute that to, to just helping me improve just because it, it forced me to. And obviously I want to play in, in those tournaments. And so it just, it left me with one choice, which was to just try to keep working hard and, and getting better um, 
and yeah, I think it, it was pretty invaluable experience, even though it, it was, it was frustrating at a number of different moments. Yeah. And what's crazy is a lot of college sports. Now you see people that, you know, don't crack the lineup their freshman year. All right, I'm out of here. I'm transferring. Like, yeah, you know, and, and, and the fact that you have not done that, you've, you've, you know, gotten dirt, you know, gotten in the dirt and, and went to work and, and practice and mm -hmm. practice, like that's got to make you overall in the long run, hopefully better because you, you recognize that there's a lot of good players here. If I, if I continue to play, my only option is to get better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's pretty no, sweet. I, yeah, I, I think so. I, I really wouldn't change that for the world. Um, and yeah, I mean, there, there, there were definitely situations where I was like, I, I recognize that I could play elsewhere, but I, I just felt like Pepperdine was, was exactly what I was looking for. And I also felt like I was getting better. It was just the team was just getting better as well. And so like, I, I just had to kind of surpass that, that rate of improvement. And um, yeah, I've just, I've always felt really confidently that, that Pepperdine is the, the right place for me to, to do that. So I've, I've got a photo up of the campus right now and uh, Pepperdine looks like the perfect place. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Malibu, that, baby. That is confirmation. Yeah, for the, for the yeah. listeners that maybe don't uh, don't have access to the internet or don't have time to Google this, Pepperdine is in Malibu, and from what I can tell, it is just oceanfront views, and it, it almost looks like. Are there a couple golf holes that that sit on the edge of the campus there as well? So we we have a, a facility that we call the park, which is largely just an open space. It it has uh, I think one artificial green where you can hit shots and do it and it's mainly used for chipping. Um, but the open space just allows us to hit kind of as, as far of shots as we want. And it's, it, we're actually kind of hitting towards the ocean. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It, it's an incredibly nice place. I, I remember I would walk out of my freshman dorm and within five steps, I just had a, a full 180 ocean view. And I mean, it, <laughs> it doesn't feel like college and it's been, it's been really, really cool being there. It's a long way from Minnesota, right? It is. That's that's the downside because I, I do love being here, but I, I feel like I needed to go there just for from a golf standpoint. Well, a, a funny story is I stepped foot on that campus at sixteen, not because I was actually going to go there, but I had <laughs> dreams of going there just because I saw yeah. it and and I, I can I can still picture today how crazy it was. It's just like yeah, it does not seem like it's even a real place, but that's pretty no. sweet. Yeah. Tell tell us about your surf game then. Is it on point? Is it on I was point? Hoping I hoping I wouldn't get that question. It, it's <laughs> not on point. It's uh yeah. It's poor. I, I I don't spend a lot of time at the ocean. Um, yeah, yeah, swimming swimming abilities are, are poor as well. Uh, I mean, I it's funny. I I do I do a decent amount of hiking, but a lot of free time is just spent golfing. I, I just that's kind of where I want to be, and um, I've never gotten tired of doing that. And unfortunately, that's that's come at the expense of of not not being very skilled at, at some other other things. So so you consider yourself a range rat then? Yeah, I mean. To an extent, I, I, I'm, I'd say I'm pretty balanced between hitting balls, chipping, and putting, but just, yeah, practicing and playing rad, I guess, if, if yeah, if, if that terminology is going to be used. But I, I'd kind of try to balance it out between the three areas. So uh, we had this this long debate for a while through the, the whole of March about best public course here in Minnesota. We even had a okay. bracket, and that's kind of our, our introduction to becoming a popular podcast. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite course back here in Minnesota? And we'll even open up to privates as you played okay. a Tillinghast there for the, the AM. And I know that we've got two Tillinghast here yeah. that you've likely played. Yeah, that's, that's a phenomenal question. Uh, are, are you guys including courses up north or is it just yeah, kind yeah, of absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I, I mean, I was blown away by the Giants Ridge courses personally. Um, 
I just, I, that aesthetic of, of golf course, I, I say both of them, honestly, are just kind of my, my favorite. And so it's, it's hard to look past those two. Um, honestly, yeah, if I, if I had to play, I mean, within, within those two, I'd, I like the legends a lot. The Corey's probably a, a, just a better golf course, but if I had to play two courses in Minnesota, I, I would probably pick those two. Awesome. Well, I got another I'm curious, what, 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 what's your guys' take on, on that? Well, well, it was the audience. It was the audience's take, and uh, the, Corey, the audience, yeah, the Corey won out. Oh, did it really? Yeah, okay. yeah. Everybody it voted did. on the Corey. That won. That won the entire thing. So we did kind of like a, a cities area on one side of the bracket. Yeah, greater state, kind of all you know, outside of the cities is another side, and it was Corey versus. Um, I think we included Troy Burn because that's a Minnesota um, oh, okay. golf association. So oh, Troy Burn yeah. versus versus Corey and Corey won. Another great option. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I want to ask something about your old teammate. Uh, he's making some waves on the PGA Tour. Uh, yeah. What was it like playing with Sahith Tagala? Obviously, talented player, but it seems like he's a pretty cool guy as well. Yeah, he he's an awesome guy. I'm I'm seriously a huge fan of his. He it makes it so easy to root for him because I I just know on a firsthand basis how just genuine and and kind he is. And so yeah, he he's really an awesome guy. Um, I mean, it's it's amazing. So I had two years with him, and the first year was when he was redshirting due to a wrist surgery. And so, and that was also a year where I wasn't playing a lot of golf. And so like we spent a, a ton of time just together. And so we would putt or, or play video games or whatnot. So we got pretty close and yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to see how he's doing on, on tour. And um, it, it's pretty awesome seeing the fact that he's, he's excelled to the extent that he has, but it's also cool just from the standpoint of knowing like that that's possible. And it, it, it's happened kind of right in front of my eyes and, it kind of provides a blueprint for, for how I can try to pursue that route as well. And I mean, he's, he's so much more talented than I am. So it's going to take a lot of hard work, but it's, it's just really cool seeing that it's, it's possible kind of coming from the same, same situation that I am, which is school at Pepperdine and, and just playing those courses and those playing with those facilities. And um, so, yeah, it, it's neat on a, a number of levels. The, uh, so it, could, is, could you reach out for him for advice? I mean, is he pretty like, Hey, you know, what's my, what's my next step or what do you think I should do? Is, is he kind of a guy that you could do that with? He is. Yeah, no, he's super receptive to that. He, we actually, we texted a lot after the the semifinals loss just cause he, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he had been watching for the last couple of days. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was, he was there for me when, when it, when it didn't go my way. And um, so yeah, I mean, he's, he's always available. He obviously he's super busy. So it's, it's not like I can just call him up anytime, but um, yeah, no, he's, he's always been there for me and, and probably always will be, which is pretty special. Well, I, I got to know, what are the Pepperdine, uh, Pepperdine boys playing for video games? And what are the, the gamer <laughs> handles? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I've actually retired from video games, but when I did, <laughs> I, it was, uh, not, good. not good for the golf game. No, it, it was it was becoming a problem. It was way too time consuming. Um, we played Black Ops 2 when it was just us two. And yeah, I... Part of me wishes I still played, but I, I think <laughs> for the, the betterment of my life, I, I've moved on. Did you take him down ever? Did you get the W in in that game? Yeah, yeah, Go. in that game. Uh, it, it's hard to do like one on one because we we'd be playing right next to each other, so there weren't really a lot of like head to head battles. I, I think skill wise, we were pretty close, though. It was uh, okay. Yeah, at, at least 
it felt that way. He might have yeah. a different. Answer Tim, long longer the you know the days of of like Mario Kart and stuff like that. The young guys don't play that anymore. No one <laughs> lands. No one. No one puts an Xbox in one room and a different <laughs> Xbox in another room. Right. right. <laughs> has to land in. So, Derek, are you uh are you like a COVID senior coming up then? Is that how that works? Exactly. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, so one year of eligibility. You got one more year. Okay. So what are some of your short-term goals knowing that you got one year school left and then kind of looking into the next three to five years, kind of what do you see yourself doing or trying and things like that? Let's just kind of look to the, to the near future and just a little bit head to the, to the farther future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm super excited to have another year. I, I mean, I've, I've always planned on, on turning professional after the, after the school year's done, but just, it, it, I think there's an argument to be made about staying amateur for one more summer because the, the Walker cup is, is in September. And if I have a really solid year, then, I mean, I, I I'm on the outside looking in, but I, there's theoretically yeah. a chance if I, if I do keep playing well and, um, and it's, it's at St. Andrews this year. So the incentive is really strong to, to maybe pursue that, but I've also always kind of had my eyes set on, on just turning professional and trying to, to make a career out of it. Um, which I, I'm really excited to do. So I mean, that, that's probably the plan unless that, I mean, it could change, but that's up in the air a little bit. Um, and yeah, in terms of goals, I mean, I just I kind of break it down into like process goals and outcome goals. And um, in terms of outcome goals, I, I think being an All-American is is something that would be really exciting just because it, it's a kind of a testament to consistency and, and good play throughout the year. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be, I haven't won a, a college tournament, so obviously doing that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there, there are a number of things I can look at for kind of performance and outcome goals, but in terms of process goals, it's just like, there are kind of specific things within my game that I, I want to just keep refining and working on and, and just kind of working on some more mindfulness stuff too, just to help kind of manage both stress and, and improve concentration and whatnot. And so they're just kind of things I look at that will help try to get me to those, those outcome goals that are, I guess what I'm trying to get to. Does your squad have a chance this year? I mean, what's the what's Pepperdine? I mean, are you guys like ranked? What's the what's Jeez, the, just you guys lost the hard the, questions, huh? You got uh, what's the um? Is it Mao? He's coming back, right? Is that yes, last he is. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. Did sorry? Was the question? Is there a chance for the yeah, team? I'm just saying, like, like you know, like as far as like your group, your 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 last year, do you got some player? I mean, are we ranked? Yeah. Or what, what we got coming into this year? And well, so are you, are you asking just team wise, team wise? Yeah. Pepperdine oh, team. Yeah. yeah. No, I was misunderstanding that. Um, I don't, I think the release team rankings pretty soon. I, I mean, we're getting some really solid transfers, but we're losing three all Americans. And so that, those are, those are big shoes to fill. I, I would think we'll be ranked probably like maybe top 15 ish, but okay. I mean, there's some, some really solid teams out there, but I, I think, I think we can be really, really good if, if, kind of just guys keep improving and, and, um, and getting better, but it, it yeah, it's, it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle, but I'm, I think we'll have a, a really solid squad. So you said, you said a great goal winning your first college tournament. Are there any courses that you think set up particularly well to, to doing that? Anything that fits your eye? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I I've always really liked the, the Pasa Tiempo tournament that we play at in, which is in, I think late April, um, it's just, it's such a unique course and I feel like it, it frustrates a lot of people with how ridiculous it is, but I just, I love being there. I think the atmosphere is, is incredible at, at that course. And I feel like I can just, if you kind of manage your way around it, you don't have to necessarily play great to score well. And 
um, I just always feel like I've, I've played pretty well there or at least finished pretty well without necessarily playing well. Um, I, I shouldn't say that without maybe playing my best. And so I think that's a course where I just, I feel comfortable at and feel like I can, I can kind of manage my way around. And um, I'd say generally just courses that are a little demanding off the tee are maybe ones that I feel pretty good on. Cause I, for the most part, I, well, sometimes I can hit my driver pretty accurately. And if, if that is the case, then that kind of allows me to, to score well. And I would say Ridgewood is one of those courses where you just with how brutal the rough was, you had to hit it pretty straight off the tee. And so courses that require that are, are usually courses I'm, I'm pretty comfortable on. So you just kind of open up a, a question there. So is driver one of the best parts of your game? What's a, uh, an area that you know you've got to keep improving on? Yeah, well, statistically, it hasn't been great this summer, but in the last two tournaments, it, it's it's gotten a lot better. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I just normally feel very comfortable with it. Um, and it can be, I mean, at a place like Ridgewood, it can be a huge advantage or it can absolutely derail you. And thankfully, I, I was, I felt good with it and, um, was able to hit a lot of fairways and I, I would say in my game generally it's honestly pretty consistent across the board there isn't really something that stands out it's just like usually I hit a lot of fairways and hit a lot of greens and if I if I end up putting well I'll, I'll shoot a bit under par if not I'll maybe be around par and so it's um yeah just kind of I think I feel like incremental gains in in all of those areas are, are important but there isn't really like a, a shining spot in my game or a, a gaping hole at least it feels to me like it, it's pretty consistent through through kind of through the bag well that'd be nice to have huh tim just kind of be consistent <laughs> everything i'm i mean i'm a generational ball striker so <laughs> that would be nice i'm declare generational ball maker <laughs> um do you got a nickname at all have the boys given you one or not <laughs> uh usually it's a, a variation of, of hitch or, or d hitch or whatnot i um, like that d hitch i mean there have been some some vulgar ones i have probably shouldn't disclose but yeah that, <laughs> that's the most that's the most consistent one okay i mean hitch is pretty good if you've watched the movie it's actually yeah, it, a movie could, be, it could be it. yeah it could be with the ladies too yeah yeah no i that's a movie i do need to see oh goodness yeah get out get out there and see it um <laughs> all right with with the the nil with some of the the loosening of of compensation to college athletes if you could pick one sponsor for your golf game who would it be <laughs> and will they sponsor break 80 uh, that's a that's probably a better question um i i don't know i honestly haven't thought a lot about that um i like i've always played ping clubs as boring as that answer might be ping is probably one of them just because i really like the equipment always felt comfortable with it um and then maybe pairing that with with foot joy just because i i've always played titles balls and and put joy gloves and shoes. Um, yeah, I don't really know with, with clothing, clothing companies. I haven't, haven't spent a time, ton of time thinking about that, but in terms of manufacturers, those are, those are probably the top two. Nice. Tim, you got anything? Oh, we'll, we'll let Derek get going. Any other questions before we wrap this baby up? That was as hard hitting as I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what, thank you for your time. And it's, it's, um, yeah. you know, just hearing about your, your USAM experience and, and obviously, you know, Pepperdine has been awesome for you and you're in the, in the fact that you are, you know, Minnesota, we're going to, we're going to be following you quite uh, closely this year and, and seeing how your year's going real quick before you go fall season. When does that start? When does that end? Yeah. Our first tournament's in the middle of September. Uh, we played Olympia fields, which is hosted by Illinois. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I, I'm flying up to school on Saturday and then we're basically diving right into practice, uh, kind of starting Monday or Tuesday, I think. And so it, um, yeah, it's pretty much year round. I mean, we have December off more or less, but other than that, it, it's yeah, pretty consistent throughout the whole year. Awesome. And when, uh, when is the round at Paso Tiempo? That's in the spring. I, I want to say it's late April, um, maybe mid April, some, sometime in that time frame. He's going to Cali. All right. <laughs> does that does that uh, does that tournament um, isn't that is that the one that's on TV? Yeah, they do televise that. Yeah. I, I thought so. Okay, that's, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we get a chance to watch on that one. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time, Derek. Congrats on a heck of a week. Um, you know, obviously, best of luck for the for the season. Your last one at Pepperdine, and um, yeah, we'll be following you closely. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys for having thank me. Thank you. Be today's the day I brigade in. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold chain. Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80.